there was controversy today in the Auburn press conference room. Hugh Freeze mentioning that he somebody asked him about like the excitement around the program and the the you know if it was something that he expected or you know just kind of the 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 general vibes around the program and um kind of the reaction that he's brought and he mentioned that he had a he had a time where he went to go pick up pizza like i think it was like before auburn played maybe the Iowa game, the NCAA tournament. And he went and he said it was kind of a mistake because there was a lot of people excited and, you know, kind of, kind of rushed him and all that. And so someone asked the follow-up like, okay, where'd you go get pizza? And he said it was little Italy. Now he made a good point, which I think we need to make on this, on this program is that, you know, we're not here to, we're not here to get in trouble with any, with any businesses. You know, we're not sponsored by any of these pizza pizza places, so it's not like we're getting paid uh, to say one thing or another. But, um, you know, he he was up there like trying to be very um, professional and to kind of kind of wade way through the options. And he was saying, you know, you're going to get me in trouble with all these other places, but that place right there on the main, you know, drag. And somebody said, Little Italy, uh, that thing was it was really, really good. Uh, and then uh, our buddy Christian Clemente uh, perked up and was like, shook his head and was like, no, 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 no. And then it became kind of a kind of a debate in the in the room. Little Italy, yes or no, Painter? We're gonna throw it over to you as a as a man of as a man about town, as 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 a man who, when he lived in Auburn, I'm sure you 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 frequented some establishments downtown. And Little Italy uh, serves a particular purpose. I think is the best way to put it. It is a place that I went frequently and I would go after college, like in the afternoons and it was nice. They had that porch in the front. Um, mm-hmm. So you could go and, and grab a spot. It was usually wide open. They added on to the back them and Moe's did. So there, that patio back there is also nice. I, I think the pizza slice is fine. It goes really well with a beer. I mean, to me, it, it serves a great function. Um, and I, I think it's, ordering on pretty good when you go in the daytime, understandably, you know, the, you may see a drop in quality at 1 AM in the morning uh, <laughs> when they're slinging thousands of pizzas. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I tend to think pretty good given what the options are in Auburn. Yeah. And I think the other thing is we were talking about this with some people today. There was, there was a reporter who was from out of town when we were talking about it. There's not a whole lot that stays open late. In Auburn, like that's that's kind of one of the, especially in the downtown area. You know, there's there's the Guthrie's that is now open to like three in the morning, which I, which gets like crazy foot traffic, that's, which I think is awesome. It's honestly, awesome. I feel like they've just been missing out on revenue for decades. Like the the minute they did that, beautiful stuff. And then there's the Waterburger now, uh, right there, right across from Tumors. That it's like, yeah, no, the same kind of thing. So I think you kind of pick it up, but like, correct me if I'm wrong, Painter, but like if you were out. After midnight, one a.m. to a.m. what whatnot downtown, which is something that I didn't do very frequently, um, but I know a lot of a lot of folks do in Auburn. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like if you were out and you wanted something to eat, there Little Italy was one of the few options you did have within walking distance. Options for late night have generally been fairly limited, uh, at least in that area. Of course, there's some like there's some staples that are chains that that were open, but not obviously right in this little area that we're talking about. Um, I guess one thing about the Lily, like, I don't think I would brag to people like that don't live in Auburn. Like, Oh, you have to come. Right. But it serves a purpose. Uh, And uh, again, we can't talk about late night food in the general downtown area of Auburn without mentioning Willie's in honor of our, of our friend and friend of the program, literal friend of the program, uh, young King Dave McKinney. Um, dude, it's Willie's. Willie's goes hard, man. And uh, any time of day, that that is that is a spot where, like, I think everyone should have an experience of being like, I'm going to order an obscene amount of chicken wings, um, because they are on the smaller end, and you can just mow through those jokers. Like, that's what I've always, that's what I've always appreciated about it. I don't know. I, I just generally it, use more late night spots for sure. 
And then also speaking of the late night, kind of down the street though, uh, Painter. Now that I'm thinking about it, as 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 much as we have spent time together, and as long as we've been friends, have we ever been to Waffle House together? I don't think we've. I don't think we've we've done that. I what are, what are your opinions of of Waffle House? Because like, I'm, Huge I'm fan. yeah yeah. I mean I. So I used to have the vampire rule for Waffle House, and which is you don't go when the sun's out, um, uh, because I totally go when the sun's out, but yeah. also it's down. <laughs> I think it's best when it's down because it's like you go to Waffle. Like the best way to enjoy Waffle House is like okay, there's not very much else open. Like you, but you know what you're gonna get. You know it's gonna deliver. I have loosened my my stance on that over the years. Right, or something's um, good. Why limit yourself? Right. Also, like, you know, I have weird, like, you have a real job. You have a real day job. I keep the weirdest hours of anybody. And so... It's very funny when you text me, like, if we're doing, working on something, and you're like, I'm going to bed, and it's 11. Because it's like, that's exceedingly early. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. There's, doesn't yeah, happen that, often. Does not happen very often. It'll be like during football season or basketball season where I'm like, all right, if I don't go to sleep, my head will fall off my shoulders. But I've been uh, up for six days and I've been to two different towns. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I don't get up early enough to eat breakfast very often. It's just something I haven't really done just because my days are just shifted. Like the hours are shifted differently. But yeah, I've, I've, I've loosened, loosened my stance. So what's the, what's the, what's the painter sharpless go to uh, Waffle House order? What are we, what are we, what are we knocking down there? I know you're, I know you've got to be a Waffle House coffee guy, knowing how, knowing how you roll. First things first, I just said you've been to two towns a second ago. Like going to two towns is an achievement. Like, oh no, that was so there was so a stretch here in ba- there well, there was a stretch here in basketball season where I was like going to like two towns, like three towns a week and like going on there was a couple of times where I went on like two planes within a couple of days. And so yeah. It, it can get there. But yeah, what's the what's the move? What were we what are we doing? Oh, it's all star. I don't I can't remember ever getting anything other than the all star. Me, me neither. One time, so I covered a high school football game when I was in college, and then <laughs> they sent me to. Um, this is when I was helping out at the Columbus paper, and they sent me to the. It's a it's a high school that's like not uh, Russell County. Mm-hmm. We went all the way to Russell County down at Seal. We went, and the game got like delayed because of lightning, and like it stormed really badly. And by the time I was done working. There's nothing between Auburn and Seal like at all. Like you just you drive for nearly an hour and then it's like, hi, hey, you're here. Um, and so by the time I got back to Auburn, it was like one in the morning or something like that, and I was starving. And I went to the Waffle House on Bent Creek, and it was like, <laughs> it was like, um, this is going to be the night where I try the steak from Waffle House. Don't do that. You don't need to do that. <laughs> you don't have to try that. It's a pretty thin piece of meat, and it's not going to be. It's gray. It's not going to be that great. <laughs> I uh, and so I, I usually I'm I'm like you, all star special. I'm getting so I'm pretty plain. I I can go. I can just go regular hash browns. I can go scrambled eggs, bacon. You know, I, some people go chocolate chip waffle. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that much of a uh, of a man. I usually do pecans and the then pecan- I want a biscuit instead of toast. There we go. Uh, there we go. That's see. This is why we're best friends, Painter, because we believe in the biscuit over toast at, at Waffle House. That's the move. That's the move. We may, we may, we may, uh, we may have differing opinions on uh, on Little Italy. My my thing on Little Italy is I just didn't go very often when I was in, like I. I've I can understand yeah. you know people not thinking it. Like I said, I wouldn't brag to someone from out of town about it. But like I also think I've gotten pretty good slices from there. Yeah. When I go, and typically I wasn't even going at like dinner time. I was going like in the afternoon because the weather I, was nice and it was not I will crowded. Everything. There are times when I just want a slice or two of pizza. Like I don't want a whole whole one. And I, I, I always I live alone. I almost, I almost always got thick crust from Little oh, Italy. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of fairness and equality, I will say we've talked about Little Italy a lot. Gives us stamp approval. We're also I'm also gonna give our stamp approval. Johnny Brusco's rules. Mel Mushroom goes hard. I mean, name name. I did not name go it. to Brusco's a lot until I started. And I didn't even go that much. I just started going some because one of the people that we both worked with at the radio station, yeah, had spent time working there. And it's good man. And you know, it's like it's, I would always love going to a place 
where someone is either a regular or even better, they have worked there or they do work there and know the people there. That is they can give you a stamp of approval. Yeah. That's always good because like I, I've never worked I've never worked in food service. You have um at multiple spots. And it's like I think if somebody can give you like, yeah, you need to go there, it's good, or you need to get this, which I know you've done before in the places you've worked for in the past. It's like, yeah, that's pretty good because like you know <laughs> you know where all the bodies are buried. <laughs> and you're just like, yep, no. Yeah, and like there. you're just it's gonna be fun because they're gonna know people there, they're gonna introduce you to people. Like it's nice to know people who are serving you your alcohol. It's nice that you know like like, oh, yeah, you know, um, as long as you're not a jerk, like, they're probably going to make sure to take extra good care of your food. Like, it's, you know, and, and they're going to know people there. So the vibes are good. Love that. Most importantly, though, folks, if you're not getting a biscuit at Waffle House and you're getting toast and said, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the midweek edition, the early... I don't even know what we're calling these things I kind of like how we've just started... I mean, there's something to be said for having a routine so that for the people who do yeah. want some sort of Auburn content, like they kind of know when to expect it. Um, but also, uh, it probably is more entertaining for y'all if you have Berg's observations to talk about. Time is a construct. And that is what we're that's what we're here to tell you. This is a free podcast. If you're listening to this, you may or may not be a subscriber to the Auburn Observer. We love you have you in the inner circle. We're still running our special here for the next couple of weeks. Uh, $40 for a full year of the Observer. You get all of our podcasts. You get so you get this one is free for everybody once a week. We'll give you another one of these podcasts once a week and friends of the program, a lot of other fun stuff, all of our newsletters. Got the observations, which we'll we'll talk about from spring practice. All of our all of our written stuff it comes to your email inbox pretty much every morning, six a.m. Central Time on weekdays here in the off season. Um, we got a lot, so auburnobserver.com. Sign up there, check it out. There's buttons, there's links. It's an easy way to get it, and this is the perfect time to jump on board. Painter, I'm Justin Ferguson. By the way, that's Painter Sharpless. Um, and checking in from parts unknown. What's up? Hello, brother. So. Painter, we've got a, a good bit to discuss. I want to talk basketball in terms of like the Final Four, and just kind of there's some there's some things I want to talk about with kind of college basketball in this these last couple of weeks as it relates to Auburn. Not a whole lot on the news front as we're recording this. You know, haven't heard any decisions about you know guys uh, going pro or not, coming back or not, going to the portal or not. Like all that still needs to be sorted out. More po- folks are going to the portal day by day and Auburn continues to recruit them um, pretty hard. However, I, there is some stuff I want to talk about basketball wise here, but first spring practice, we are two thirds of the way done spring practice. Number 10 was on Monday. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was a, so a pretty informative practice, a pretty big practice. We've been doing these Monday sessions where we get about like an hour of viewing window. So appreciate that from, Hugh Freeze and his staff giving us that access. Um, and I mean, there's nowhere else to go uh, <laughs> to start, but but this one, um, right off the bat, Holden Garner uh, getting some getting some real love here these last couple of weeks for Auburn. Um, Hugh Freeze talked about it last week. He said, "I want I want my quarterbacks to show progress. I think they're behind where they need to be. I need them to step up this week. They do step up this past week, uh, and." Holden Karen are getting the getting most of the love, getting the specific up. Now, I think Finley and Ashford, Robbie Ashford, by the way, was working with a with an injured shoulder. Um, you know, he's a sore shoulder, wasn't able to throw all those days. So his progress is going to look different and might not be as pronounced as a guy like Holden Garner. But Pender, Holden Garner, I mean, a guy that was talked about very, very highly last uh offseason by a lot of folks. Uh, in the Auburn program, it was just, hey, he's young. Probably not getting that opportunity this year, but watch out for him down the line. And even though this is an offense that he wasn't recruited to play in, um, he was, you know, to play this pro-style offense from the previous staff. Now you're going to this wide-open, spread, fast-paced offense. Still, talent is talent. Arm talent is arm talent. And uh, sounds like uh, Holden Garner uh, is uh, is making some noise here early on. Uh, 
I just your first reaction or your thoughts about seeing that of this quarterback battle right now, it's it's kind of the most unknown quantity um, turning heads right now as we get past the halfway point and hitting hitting the stretch run of spring ball. Well, I think off the bat, the most exciting thing for Auburn fans is that there's an unknown to Holden Deerner, which you do not get out of the other two players. Now, you saw him briefly. I don't think that that was one a helpful sample size. And of course, all the things we said about the other two quarterbacks applies. It was a tough situation between the coaching staff and the struggles of the offensive line. But if you put all that aside, I also think that it's not bad for Hugh Freeze and this offensive staff. Either way, I think there's going to be some grace here in year one. Although I do think this team with some of the pieces they've added beat this drum a lot already. I should back off of it, but like winning eight games doesn't seem like this implausible, ridiculous task for this team. Um, so I, I say all of this to say if Holden Gariner is your option and you're this staff, it gives you a little leeway mm. to find out what you have with a young player, and it won't be held against you too much if things should go awry. It's a great point. Holden Gariner is a very interesting case study I think for this Auburn team because you know let's let's go back to some things about this offense and what we know about you know throwing the ball around spreading it being able to you know be accurate be efficient be good with your decision making um this is not a slam on Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley, but like Robbie Ashford completed less than 50% of his passes last year. Now he was dealing with injuries and it was a tough, like you said, it was a tough situation for these guys. TJ Finley at Auburn, you know, 62%. The year before that was, you know, less than, you know, less than 55% completion percentage. So like these two guys have not been very accurate and efficient quarterbacks in what we have seen from them so far. Again, new staff, new coach, new, new system, new everything. Everybody gets a clean slate. But, a guy with Garrett, like we we don't know what he is. We don't know, and that is kind of that tantalizing upside. He did have really good numbers in in high school. Um, you know his his high school numbers are pretty solid. I'm gonna try to look them up right here because I had them out uh, earlier today looking at it. But you know he he was a guy that could throw the ball to you know all levels of the field. You know really uh, made made some good made some good work happen. You know through the air. Um, when he was uh when he was a high schooler. Um you go back to his see his junior year he completed sixty eight percent of his passes. He had twenty five touchdowns and just three interceptions. Um this is a dude who's got uh who's got really good who's got really good numbers and, and can and can throw the ball at, at kind of all, all over the field. Uh his senior stats I just pulled him up. Sixty eight percent completion percentage. Um you know, 36 touchdowns, three interceptions. This is a guy who had a 12 to one touchdown interception ratio. Dude that in high school was a good quarterback, top 20 uh, prospect, um, you know, could put the ball all over the field. Now that he has that year under his belt, again, new system and all that, but he's got this year under his belt where he's adjusted to life as a college quarterback. It shouldn't be surprising that a dude like that, who was as good as he was throwing the ball in high school, it's kind of getting back in that rhythm again and, 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 and putting up numbers like this. Um, like I said, Ashford's shoulder, like freeze said last Monday, his practice was the best one he had had. He wasn't able to kind of capitalize on as much on, on Wednesday and Friday, just because of that shoulder that affects some of the things there, but Garner making decisions, progressing and just kind of the, the, the head knowledge of the offense, putting that into practice is a really good sign. I mean, I had, I had questions, you know, when Garner at the start of spring or at the start of the year of Garner, what his chances were, because a, we hadn't seen very much of him and B like, you know, this was a guy who didn't play this wide open spread offense and in, in high school. Now, did he operate from the shotgun? Did he show some good mobility? Did he do less? Yeah, sure. He played in a high, he was, he was a high school quarterback. Like you have to do those things. But I just remember the whole thought process that when he got, when he signed with Auburn, when Auburn recruited him, it was like, okay, you can see where they they think the pro style offense that Auburn ran or the last staff like that. That's what he's built to do. So making that adjustment is going to be really interesting. But you can say the same thing about a guy like TJ Finley, um, and then you can say obviously with Robbie Ashford, the numbers he posted last year not great through the air, obviously um, towards the bottom of the country. But 
he also was playing an offense that wasn't tailored to his strengths. And then, you know, when Cadillac Williams takes over in November, they do a lot of run heavy stuff and they, they make it easier on him. That's, you know, it, it just makes things a lot more interesting because I think Ashford, you know, Ashford comes back as the starter or maybe TJ Finley, you know, returns and it kind of clicks. It's just, it was just kind of back and forth. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying either, neither of those guys are capable of being a starter and being what Auburn needs in this offense. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but I do think that I do think that there's like some sort of element of like enthusiasm or excitement or like you said, Painter, like maybe just to, Hey, you know, if, if you get into a situation where you're starting a red shirt freshman quarterback, if you're trying to build building with a red shirt freshman as your quarterback compared to building with an older guy who's a returning starter, or even a dude, you go get out of the transfer portal. It does kind of shift at least the context around your offense and what you're trying to accomplish because you can at least see, okay, you can grow with this as opposed to, oh, this guy's probably only going to be here for another year or two. Players continue to get better. In some cases, they're extreme examples of guys getting better later in their careers. But I do wonder at this point in Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley's career how likely it is to see some really big jump and what you can expect them to do reasonably because they've both been at the college level for a little while and freeze has a track record of making players better. So it's possible that one of those guys gets with this offensive staff and that happens. But I feel like with Garner, because he's so young, you could see a different progression that feels mm. more rapid throughout the off season. And then if he should get the job, you know, in the back half of the season, ideally, I think you'd like to continue to see that progression. And and I think if you're looking for big improvement, the person that you're most likely to get it from is the one we've seen the least because he's yeah. the youngest. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and also keep in mind, you know, Hugh Freeze and the staff are basically said like, hey, if we feel like there's a guy who can help us out in the transfer portal in May, we're going to go get him. And he said that with in regards to every position today as well. It wasn't just quarterback. I mean, he was asked specifically about wide receiver, and he was just like, look, if you can fit our culture and you can help us win this year, we'll take you. And I think that's going to be the thought process they have in trying to build. Speaking of it with the, quarter, with the quarterbacks, I do think let's go to wide receivers because I asked specifically about receivers on Monday and it's like, yeah, they still got work to do. Where I think you saw the progress from quarterbacks, you're still not seeing it from wide receivers. Now, the wide receivers have a little bit of a different case here because, A, quite a few of those guys are dealing with hamstring injuries, ankle injuries, you know, stuff like where they aren't able to go full speed, they aren't able to go 100%. And so that is affecting the way things are going. But there's a lot of talk about alignment and technique and a lot of the stuff that you need to get done. And so it's, 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 it's a long way to go with that group. And, I mean... Last season, you didn't get a whole lot from your receivers. You didn't get a whole lot of your passing game in general. You bring back Javarius Johnson, who had a great catch, great play on a, on a dime that was thrown by Holden Garner at practice on Monday. You got Coy Moore, who can give you a, a good bet as well, um, just with his experience. But outside of that, you don't have a ton. You know, Malcolm Johnson Jr.'s out of, of the spring. You know, you're still waiting to see guys like Landon King and and, and Tavares Dawson and some of these others kind of pop up. Cameron Brown has been your best guy this this spring. You did bring in Nick Martyr, but like it's just there's going to be stuff that are you going to be able to prove it in in the fall? And that group's got a lot of work to do. And I think quarterback definitely still has a lot, a lot of work to do. But yeah, this is a group at at wide receiver that Auburn is not hiding the fact that they need to get better quickly. And um, you know, that's the other thing. And I don't know how it comes across. To y'all, I don't know how it comes across to you, Painter, whenever you see or hear it. But the one thing, the one thing that stood out to me the most about spring practices here for Auburn is the amount of honesty and brutal honesty that uh Hugh Freeze will say about his own team. Like he has been very forthcoming about those quarterbacks and the wide receivers. He said it the other day, he's like, I want to shoot you straight, but I also don't want to hurt these guys' like confidence or anything like that. So it's a tough balance to be in. But he's saying today, like Okay, Connor Liu. Connor Liu is going to play for him this year. Uh, he said, hit a home run with him. True freshman, can play guard, can play center. They really like him. You know, he, he's been a lot. 
naturally brings up the question, hey, offensive line in the SEC as a freshman, that's really hard to do. It's very rare to, to accomplish. And he's like, yeah, we don't want to do this um, regularly, but the kid's good. And, and look, that's just the situation we're in right now. And I guess that goes back to what you were saying earlier about expectations and just kind of the, the tone. It's like, and there was a question about this in the mailbag on, uh, on Friday. Uh, it was a really, really good one. Um, it's like, I don't think what you say in a press conference in March is going to make fans feel better about losing in September and October. But I will say, it's just like, they're not going to, they're not sitting here and saying like, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to jump them in immediately. We've got what it takes to just win it all right now. And the coach says like, yeah, we're, we've got a lot of work to do. And this roster and what they, I mean, this is a rebuild. Like I said recently, and I think I wrote it and we might've talked about it in the podcast recently as well. Like, this team had back-to-back losing seasons. Like it's 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 not. You can even say like in okay in 2013, Gus Malzahn jumps in and bang immediately they go you know uh, to the national championship game. Obviously a rare situation, rare rare spot. But that team was also three years removed from winning a national title, right? What was Auburn doing three years ago in football? They had a really good team in 19, but it you know won eight nine games. Right. So it's like it's different. It's a different situation that you're in. Like I said, Peter, like, I don't know how you take or how you kind of come across. I, I, on my perspective, as someone who's writing and covering this team, I like it. Like, like hey, be honest, man. I don't want coach speak. I don't want, you know, to, to every, like, the worst thing you can have in spring ball and in fall camp or anything is everyone's awesome this time of year. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. And it's just like, that's not the message we're getting right now, which I think is a good thing. It might not make fans feel better, but like you know, I think it does underscore the the fact that like yeah, this is a this is this is a build, especially knowing the fact that like what you were competing in year one in twenty thirteen is completely different than what you're competing now, because Georgia's a whole lot better, and Alabama's still just as scary, and there are and like the landscape of college football has changed dramatically, um, and so. You know, it, it it does change things. It does change things, but like the brutal honesty, I think is it's not going to make Auburn fans feel any better. But like it's it's probably the best way to go about things. I'll say it again: setting expectations, and it is smart. Under promise, over deliver. I I think that's the I think that's the the way to go about it for sure. Uh, for Auburn, and like I'm not sitting here and saying Auburn thinks, oh, it's going to be hard for us to make it. I think internally, there's confidence that they can do, they can make some noise, but they know it's going to take a lot of work. And look, I mean, they got six months before or five months before they have to do this. They've got to really get a lot accomplished. The good news is, offensive line, outside of potentially having to play Connor Lou this year, you do like you do like where you're at with your offensive line because the three transfers you did get. I mean, those guys have been locked in, first teamers from day one. They haven't, they haven't changed. They've done exactly what they thought they were going to. They've raised the level in the room, as Free said on um, on Monday. You've got Jeremiah Wright, and I think there's a lot of potential in him. Um, and then Tate Johnson. Last week it was like, hey, Tate Johnson might not be back at all this spring, and then it's like, lo and behold, boom, he's out there today, uh, wearing a cyborg, you know, arm. Uh, you know, elbow pad because you know he had he had um he had dislocated it. They just strapped that thing up, and he's out there, and he's going to be competing, and he's going to still compete. So, like, you have as close to a full strength offensive line as you can have, I think, right now. You've got that experience coming in. Yeah, Connor Lou's is good. Like Connor, Lou, there's a lot of confidence in Connor Lou. That's not something that you want to do long term. You want to have multi year guys. You want to have developed dudes up there. But, I mean, we all know it. Auburn's offensive line has just been not good <laughs> the last few years. And so if you are hitting the reset button, they didn't get five FBS transfers on the offensive line this year. And they got a guy in Connor Lou when they, when they, you know, took over as this new staff and they, they were able to identify and, and, and land. It's like, okay, this guy can play. You don't want to make a habit out of it. Like, but I think LSU like started a couple of true freshmen on the offensive line last year. You don't want to make a habit out of it, but it's better to have that right now than, you know, feeling like you're just out of options. Uh, but again, good honesty there. 
The other thing with the off uh, with a uh, with we've we've talked about young players, Connor Lou, Tay Johnson, although he's not he's not young anymore, but Connor Lou gonna play uh early. Another guy, Kay and Lee. Kay and Lee's really, really caught my eye. There's only three scholarship cornerbacks that are healthy right now. JD Rim is out uh for the rest of spring uh with a with some sort of leg injury. Um it was either it looked like a lower leg injury. I won't go any in any more specifics on that because I don't know anything more about than that. But you're now walking into a situation where your three healthy scholarship cornerbacks are Nehemiah Pritchett, DJ James, your returning starts, and Kay and Lee. And Kay and Lee's getting a lot of experience early. He's getting a lot of playing time or a lot of reps right now. And Auburn's got a lot of corners that they're bringing in in the summer. A lot of these these freshmen that are coming in will probably play uh, probably play cornerback. Uh, there is, I almost said wide receiver because there was uh, reporting that um, I think on three, maybe there was somebody else. I know on three was the first one I saw from it a little while ago about um, J.C. Hart playing wide receiver instead of corner at Auburn. But we'll see how that shakes out in the fall. I will uh, I will say this about, about Kay and Lee. Everyone seems to be kind of on board of saying that dude's going to play and that dude's going to play a good bit. Uh, that he's a real deal. This is a guy that you know Auburn worked really, really hard to to get with this new staff uh, in the in the off season. Uh, he comes from Cedar Grove and uh, in the Atlanta area. He's a highly, highly rated guy. Um, Auburn flipped him from Ohio State, which tells you what kind of talent level you're working with there. But you know, top twenty corner in the country, top 180 player uh, in the two four seven composite. Free said, hey, he's going to play early. He's going to play right away, and I think he's getting a lot of experience to get him to that point. Um, but yeah, big, big, big confidence in Kay and Lee uh, from Auburn. And I did notice when we were at practice on Monday, they were stretching when we first got out there um, and working through things, and defensive coordinator Ron Roberts was – I saw him talking for several minutes. One, Everybody's going through stretches, and Roberts is right there with Kay and Lee, eye to eye, just talking through some stuff. That's a lot to throw on a on a true freshman. The dude looks ready for it, and uh, we've talked about Jack linebacker. We've talked about you know what Auburn could possibly you know get right off the bat from Keldrick Falk. There's a number of these freshmen that are gonna have to step up and play. You know, in year one, and these newcomers, obviously the transfers. You got Austin Keys and Demario Tolan making impact. You know, early in the linebacker room, all those defensive linemen turning heads. Um, impressing Nick Martiner at wide receiver. Brian Batte was the first kick returner in, in drills on on Monday. Makes sense. Dude was an All-American there. He's going to give a different dynamic to the offense as well. Rivaldo Fairweather's gotten a lot of love this morning. It, it's interesting because we talked about this at the beginning of, of Spring Ball Painter, but like a third of this Auburn roster is new. Uh, and and it's it's one of those things where Auburn by getting freeze and getting this staff in, they got a staff and a head coach, especially that is going to put a lot of emphasis on recruiting. And the talent level is definitely better right now in the guys that they've got from what they were turning. Now, obviously no tank Bigsby, no Derek Hall, no Colby Wooden. Those guys that were pro day last week. Yeah. Those are all going to be pretty big you know, losses because they're really, really talented guys. But the work Auburn did in the on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal, and again combine that with the combine that with the schedule Auburn's got this year. It's the the expectations. Again, I don't expect Auburn to go on this heroic run and win double digit games this year. But like the work they've got, they just got to they got to shore up a few of these spots on their roster, and and you're 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 seeing where it's all starting to come together. Quarterback obviously is big. Wide receiver obviously is a big thing as well. You got some other things you need to sort out across your depth chart, but you know, especially your edge rushers. But you have another transfer portal window to work with. You've got another, you know, off season, you know, fall camp, summer fall camp to go through, and you can start to see it all kind of come together. And I think when you're hearing, so, you're hearing so much about this new guy, this new guy, this young guy, this new guy kind of turning heads at this point in spring now that everybody's settled and kind of battling out. I think it does show you why Auburn went in the direction that they did 
with this hire. And like early on, that has paid off. You got to convert it into wins and losses on the field, but you got to at least be pleased with with the way. Like it, it does look like the guys they've brought in. A lot of the guys they brought in, they expected to play right away, are going to do that. And on top of that, they might get some more from guys, you know, that were true freshmen or might not have been the biggest names in the world. And I think that's and I think that means a lot for this team. Let's see. Do I have any more football we want to talk? You can check out the full observations. We've got a three deep depth chart on the offensive line that we saw. Some more on some of the players we talked about. Um, a lot of notes and nuggets there towards the end from Freeze and others about about what's going on uh, with the football program. But you can check all that out again. AuburnObserver.com. Sign up. It's forty dollars uh, for your uh, first year, which will get you all football season, all of basketball season. Um, it's good. You know, it's it's the cheapest price we've ever given, and we want you guys on board. AuburnObserver.com. Taking care of some other business here. You can buy the official Auburn Observer t-shirt at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel, the number one place to buy vintage collegiate apparel. Uh, we're talking t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. I'm wearing Homefield right now. I got a got an Indiana State hoodie on right now. That's one of my all-time favorites. Been getting some new shirts here recently with their mystery box. Really enjoying that. Got a killer new Villanova one uh, that I'm really, really excited to have. Um, and uh, yeah. You can get the Observer T-shirt, AuburnObserver.com. Uh, I'm sorry, HomeFieldApparel.com. Search Auburn Observer. Check it out. Most comfortable T-shirt you're going to buy. Um, there was a member of the Auburn media who was wearing their Auburn Observer T-shirt at practice today. They do not work for us because I'm the only one here who works for us. Tells you tells you what kind of product we're working with here, folks. So HomeFieldApparel.com. Check that out. You can also help us out not only by getting a subscription to telling your friends, you can also... Uh, hook us up on Apple Podcast. Painter, how can they do that? Great review. Subscribe. Take a couple seconds. Leave five stars. Leave a little line or two about the show. Uh, be sure to mash the subscribe, follow button. We appreciate it. Yep, it really does help us out a ton when you when you do that. We've got a new uh uh, observer review that we want to shout out because we'll read them on the air. One, because we're vain people, and two, because we like to shout you out. This is from Seven Thundercloud, which is an incredible name. Um, Seven Thundercloud says, Awesome podcast. Just renewed my yearly subscription. It's worth every penny. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you can Following join instructions. Well. That's yep. can't, first off, very nice review. Thank you. Also, short to the point. Some people do long ones. They joke about it, whatever. You don't have to put that much effort in. That was perfect. That was perfect. So we appreciate that. Also, I want to give an update, Painter, on our bracket challenge. Bracket challenge. As you may know, and we'll talk about it here shortly, the Final Four is nuts. The first time ever no top three seed made it to the Final Four. Uh, you know, we're looking at a Final Four of FAU and UConn and, uh, you know, wildly Miami with that crazy comeback. We'll talk about the Canes. I want to talk about the Canes specifically uh, here uh, in a little while. And then, you know, you've also got um, – why am I blanking on the other one? Who's the who's the fourth team? Um, San Diego State. Sorry. Wow. Oh, people are going to be at me for forgetting that one. Um, anyway, so San Diego State, FAU, UConn, and uh, – <laughs> Yeah, you you kind of Miami wild final four. We had the observer bracket challenge from our friends at CBS Sports. Um, as the as you may well know, we were going to give out a full year, or I'm sorry, a full not a full year, full lifetime subscription full life, to the an entire full life, life, an entire life until you're dead or we're dead, either one. Observer Which subscription one do you think comes first, probably us. Um, but uh. A, a lifetime observer subscription for the grand prize winner. We're also going to give some home field um, goodies out uh, for those of you who come close. Want to say this, Parker Wiley? If you're out there, Parker, and listening, you went on a you were a, an absolute madman this year. Um, you got 42 correct. The next closest is 39. So you were ahead for pretty much the whole thing. Here's the problem. Here's the problem, Parker. You like me, and like a lot of us. Didn't get a single Final Four team correct, so you're done. 
Um, so Parker, you're going to, I mean, you, you put up a good fight. I'm looking down and I want to shout out a few David Ellis, uh, Frank Parker. Uh, I am going to jack up your net, your last name. Uh, Tony, Tony Villanacci, Villanacci. I hope that I got that right. Uh, we got Jackson Spence and Jacob Varner. Also, all of you guys picked UConn to win the national title. So you are still in a very good spot to get the money. Um, the money meaning the, the grand prize. Um, so the UConn folks, yeah, that, that could shake some things up real quick. Now, if UConn goes out in the final four, things will get a little bit more interesting. Um, so a lot of people will be waiting with bated breath. What Do you have a preference? Final. Do you have a soft spot for any of the final four teams? So I'm glad you asked that. I really like this Miami team. Um, I like UConn as well. UConn's really good. Uh, they beat the tar out of Gonzaga, um, which hurt my feelings uh, as a fan. But um, I mean, UConn is in a in a in a tournament where there's been a lot of upsets in a tournament where there has, you know, this was a season where there wasn't one ultra dominant team in college basketball. The closest thing was either Houston or Alabama and they get knocked, they get knocked out in the early in the second weekend. The fact that you kind of just keep shredding people is, is kind of surprising. And I think, you know, they're going to end up having, you know, the Kemba Walker team, you know, the Kevin Ollie team, like where you're going to look up and say, man, you just got, UConn's got these several, na- several national titles now. And it'll be like, Oh wow! Like you know, you may not think of them as like, yes, they are one of the best programs in college basketball, and they have been for a while. But like, it, it would be really interesting to get it. But this Miami team, man, Jim Laranega is an incredible coach. My hot take, because I'm a hater, my hot take is, is that if Miami wins the national title, I think we could say Jim Laranega is a better coach than Jim Beheim, um, because he will have his national title. Won't have as many Final Fours, but he did it with George Mason, and he did it with Miami. Yeah, give him some credit, man. He was awesome. Also, he talks like Bernie Sanders, which is pretty funny every time I hear him do a press conference. It was really fun to do when we were in Greenville last year. And, like, he's just an awesome coach. And we pointed out, Nathan King was the first one to, to who, who made this point to me the other day. The last five recruiting cycles... Miami's had a top 25 class twice. Back-to-back years, who were number 25. Haven't had a top 20 class, had to have a top 10, not even come close. And that is even, that's even including the transfer portal, you know, in the calculation as well. They've made an Elite Eight. They went to the Elite Eight last year, knocked Auburn out, went to the Elite Eight. Went, they're at the Final Four this year. They're playing really well. Had that huge comeback against Texas on Sunday. They won the ACC regular season title as well. Give the man credit. He does a really, really good job and getting a lot out of their guys. So I want to point it out for two things with, with Miami. Number one, it's a good point with Miami to say, hey, that team that beat Auburn last year in the NCAA tournament, yeah, that program is really good and like no shame at all in losing to those guys considering what the tear they've been on. But secondly, I think it does show you that when you look at like Nigel Pack, you look at some of these guys they've gotten, it's a mix Miami is a mix of recruiting, like guys they they recruited and developed, guys they got out of the transfer portal. They got the big guy from uh, Arkansas State as well. And it's just this combination where it's like, I think Miami, you know, there was we're not too far removed from Miami having like five-star talent uh, under Laranega, but last few years it's just mostly like four stars and some three-star guys and a lot of good transfers. I think with Miami you're seeing kind of like what Auburn can have under Bruce Pearl, where it's like, okay, you don't have to be like, you can recruit really, really well. And we know the 24 class for Auburn is shaping up to be a fantastic one, but it's about finding the right combo of guys that you develop guys, you go out and get, and then guys you, you know, get in the transfer portal and just coaching them up and, and get them having, and we know Bruce Pearl can do more with less comparatively speaking, you know, his, his, his first SEC title team is a great example of that. He had really good run. You know, Final Four team is a great example of that as well. I do think it's one of those things where you know there's a lot of talk about oh, not having enough, you know, not having enough star power, not having you know the right guys. It's just you just got to find the right mix, and then you get into the tournament, and it's like yeah, like I just said, 
there's no top three seed in the NCAA tournament. That has never happened before. The top 12 teams in the country by the selection committee, none of them are in the final four. We've got a team in FAU that was a dominant mid-major this year. Shout out KT Harrell. Um, but, you know, they go on this run. San Diego State, a really good mid-major team this year. UConn, which the Big East is not a mid-major conference, but UConn, not a team a ton of people expected to be dominant this season. Uh, and then Miami, who, you know, in a what it was called a down year for the ACC, they played really, really well in the last one standing out of that conference. And so I, I just... I say it all to I say that all it's a long winded way of saying this. It's just you gotta find the right formula and the right mixture. But, you know, this isn't a sport like football where it's like, okay, well the team with the most team with the most star power is gonna win. You know, the team with the most with the most five stars, you know, the Georgias are gonna run run rough shot, the recruit uh, I think this this tournament and even these teams like a Yukon, like a Miami that aren't necessarily loaded with a ton of five stars can kind of put you on the path where it's like, Hey, it's about how you play together. And it's how you construct a, a cohesive roster more than just star, uh, you know, star collecting. And I think Bruce Pearl's done a really, really good job of that. And it's just the key now is, can he get back to that? Cause he uh, obviously file four team. He did that. He's built some really good championship winners at Auburn. It's just, I think that's just a reminder that man, having a great coach goes a long way. And, Bruce Pearl is, is, is one of the best in the business. And, you know, this is, it's a good sign for Auburn to have it, to see a team like Miami, I think, make it the way they do and do it in the style that they did. Because you probably never are going to out recruit the Kentuckys and the Dukes and the North Carolinas of the world on a, on a routine basis. But can you compete with them? Absolutely. So let me take you all the way back to your earlier point about UConn. Since 1999, they have won four national titles and been in six Final Fours. It's incredible. Also, to your point about Miami, I would say I agree with you. The loss in the tournament to them has aged better. Although, a little contrarian here, the way Walker Kessler is playing recently Mm. has also left a lot to be desired retroactively from last yeah. season. Guess I had 31 the other night. Oh. He's he's not going to be rookie of the year because he didn't have that start that some of those guys had, but boy, he's and other okay, Jabari Smith's getting it now. He is figuring it out in the league, and that's good. Uh you also pointed out uh you sent me something about JT Thor the other day. You know, I extrapolated out the numbers would look pretty good if you were getting more minutes. I guess the key here yeah, his is per 36s are great more. right now. Yeah, his per 36s are great right now for Charlotte, and that's it's a great time. Look, I mean, no one's ever going to deny that Bruce Brown doesn't have an eye for talent and knows where to do it. It's just can you get it kind of on, on a more consistent basis, I think. And it's the tournament's a crapshoot, man. And there, there are coaches that know how to get it done, and there are tr- coaches that are like tournament specialists. Now, I know, look, look, I know. What happened to Arkansas in the Sweet 16? I'm very well aware of that. But, like, Arkansas was kind of in that boat now where it's just like in a single elimination tournament. I don't know if you want to cross pass very often with Eric Musselman. I know you don't want with with want it with uh, Jim Laranega right now. And, look, the way they're playing at the moment, Dusty May, FAU, like, that is a, that is a buzzsaw. They play so well on both ends of the floor. And, I mean, if FAU won it all, you talk about like a, a pair, like oh man, wouldn't that be? You trouble? think of them as a true Cinderella, like they are, and that none of us thought that they'd be there. They're what a nine seed, so like yeah, super low, but obviously like that's getting this deep in the tournament at this point is impressive. Um, it, it, it's weird. Like, they were good. Yeah, right. Like that's there's this weird thing. Like they have a little bit of a profile as a school, um, like as an athletics program. I mean, to me, I guess this is kind of unfair, but like I'm comparing it to like George Mason. Yeah. Which, uh, which is yeah. like a lot of people probably had never heard of George Mason until that tournament. Right. Am I off base with that? No. I mean, they were, they were just a team in the CAA. I mean, that George Mason team finished number 22 in Ken Palm. I'm going back and looking. Uh, they were number Shoot, I can't tell it from there that it didn't go that way far. Like I would I would love to know what they would have been ranked in a Ken Palm era, like when they headed into the tournament, because 
if I remember correctly, FAU entered the tournament as a as a yeah they they entered the tournament as the number twenty three team in the country on right, like them and San Diego State were liked by the metrics like it was no secret that these were yeah. competent even good teams I just yes. think most San of Diego us State were was like, number oh, yeah they'll be going to the final four also yeah. Yeah, no, I San Diego State was a fifteen. It was number fifteen in the country. It's just that it was kind of the thing where they aren't, they probably aren't George Mason, but they're just this. I don't. I'm trying to think of a. I'm trying to think of the best comparison for them. There was that VCU team that Shaka had that was not, you know, super super high up, but they made that. Will go to an Elite Eight and a Final Four. They went. They went to the final four. I think they might have got knocked out earlier after that. Yeah, I mean, like, no, I, I'm dead wrong. That VCU team. Yeah, wow, I was way wrong on that. That VCU team was uh, was a was a, a one of the last teams in that year. My bad. Um, under Shaka. Uh, let's see, Loyola, Loyola Chicago. They went to the final four in eighteen, and they went to the Sweet Sixteen in twenty one as well. Okay. So that year they were in the final four. They were an eleven seed. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, is there a good is there a good comp that I can find anywhere for these teams that you know that make the most sense? Uh, which I don't State? want to. I'm not trying to take away from FAU just because no. they've been good all year. Just okay, think okay. Like- this is who I was thinking of. This is a, Wichita State. So Wichita State uh, came in the NCAA tournament in 2013 as a nine seed. They beat Pitt, Gonzaga, LaSalle, and Ohio State to make it to the Final Four. Lost to Louisville, uh, you know that year, and that that Louisville team ended up beating Michigan in the national title game. Or Wichita State was a top thirty team in Ken Palm pretty much most of the year. They got they finished that season after they made that Final Four run. They finished number seventeen. I think it's the closest thing to that because like I think anybody who knew ball back then knew that Wichita State was a really good team, but maybe not this good. Maybe not. Maybe not this kind of run that they had. So, I mean, shout out to KT, man. Can you think about a better job to take? And Dusty May has been a coach that's gotten a lot of love. He's an Indiana guy. He's assistant Florida. Like he, he. I'll be very interested to see. There's not a whole lot of jobs open left in college basketball. Um, I know Ole Miss was talking about him before they uh, ended up hiring Chris Beard. But uh, yeah, I mean that is such a that is such an incredible run for them. San Diego State's just tell you, man. I've watched a lot of Mountain West basketball late at night. Like they that that defensive system they play is just a monster. Um, and yeah, it's just this was such an interesting year for for college basketball in general for Auburn. For Auburn, you know, looking at it in the grand scheme of things, because this was a year where there wasn't an ultra dominant team. Your your rival, your rival did the double again, but. They only went one round further than you, which I know a lot of Auburn fans were really... I mean, the floodgates were open for Alabama to make a run. I mean, it was just staring them in the face. And San Diego State played better ball than they did, and they ended up winning. Um, you know, I I think that's the thing, though, with the, the, this Auburn team is that for Auburn, it's like you got to find that mixture. You got to find that, that formula. And I don't know how much you watched this past weekend, but I'm thinking about this Miami. The Miami team stands out to me the most, and Texas was like this as well. The amount of guys that on those teams that were getting their own shot off the dribble, that, like, that was what Auburn was kind of missing this year on, on, a, on a routine basis, and I do wonder how much that's going to be addressed in the transfer board. Now, it's not the be-all, end-all. Obviously, Auburn won a lot of games you know, without it last year, and you know, this this past season they, they still were successful and made it the second round. I mean, they were still a good team. Not a great team, but a good team. I just I wonder how much is that you know that's gonna be the thing because I did see a very big difference. It just hit me watching that Texas Miami game where it was just like, Oh yeah, there's a lot of these guys out there for both of these teams that are just going and getting buckets and, and doing it off the dribble and just Auburn had obviously there were games and there were times when Alan Flanagan was getting it and there were times when you know, Wendell Green was getting to the basket a lot. Obviously, Katie Johnson's a good guy to you know drive and score. It's just how much of that is Auburn going to try to replace or try to get in the transfer portal and, and try to find that. And of course, Aiden Holloway is going to be a big difference maker there. I would think Chan- a healthy Chance Westry can do a lot for your backcourt as well. But yeah, it's just I. I 
the thing is, is like we know Auburn's at a point as a program where they've established themselves with a high floor that a quote unquote step back year, disappointing for some year was still one that you made the NCAA tournament and won a game in the NCAA tournament. But it's just like, okay, the next evolution, we can talk about winning SEC titles and, you know, now you're chasing what Alabama's done the last the last few years. Like now Alabama's got that edge over you and, and titles here recently, and you're going to be wanting to hunt that for sure. And we've talked about it before, Painter. Winning a title, a regular season title, is harder to do than going on a run in the NCAA tournament a lot of times just because it's a crapshoot. You know, it's not the determining factor of who was the best team in the country. Who were the be- who's the best team in the SEC? You know, who were the four best teams in college basketball this year? Well, it's definitely not the four teams that were, you know, in the final four. They're deserving because they won and they did the assignment and they, they did what they were supposed to. But for Auburn, it's one, how can you get, how can you continue to kind of raise that ceiling? And I think the next step is just going to be in the NCAA tournament. You know, what, what's going to be that X factor for you? What's going to be able to get over that hump? And look, you know Bruce Pearl's capable of doing it because he's done it in the past. It's just what what is going to be that what is going to be that that spot? Um, because when you watch a Final Four, and I know there are people disappointed at this season for Auburn, but when you look at a Final Four that's got Miami, San Diego State, FAU, and UConn in it, it tells you Auburn wasn't that far off from 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 having a very memorable season, and that's that's just kind of what the margins are. Uh, in a crapshoot like college, the college basketball postseason. You mentioned Muss a moment ago. I know they've got Walmart money, and Tyson they have, money. yeah, they have some basketball tradition, which the history allows you, I think, probably to sell. Maybe has kept them from being at as low of a point as Auburn has, but it feels like. And I say feels because I'm not keeping up with Arkansas recruiting to know who they're missing on. But it feels like if Musk wants a guy, he gets him. The portal seems to be like that's going to be their spot. Um, They're going to really, really get you there. Uh, I'm looking at their recruiting class. They got (laughs) – hey, Arkansas has got two five-stars coming in next year. In case, in case you're wondering, um, it, it's only the number 28 recruiting class in the country, but it's Bayfall, who Auburn recruited, and uh, Layden Blocker, who's a five-star point guard from Wichita, Kansas. Um, yeah, they're going to be good for a while. And, like, I, it seems like, and I don't, you know, I don't, our buddy Jay uh, on Twitter is like the king of keeping track of portal stuff for Auburn, but it does feel like every portal thing I see in college basketball is like, so-and-so has heard from Arkansas. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, of course he has. <laughs> did you, did, did you have a beating heart last season and score a couple buckets in a division one basketball game? Arkansas is probably going to talk to you at some point. I don't know how he does it, but. Yeah. Our friends like Pablo and probably some other people have, have done it too. But you know, you see online the quote tweet of a player's announcement and they're quote tweeting it saying, so and so player, you are an Auburn Tiger, and yeah, Pablo's Muslim been pretty is like good actually though. doing that. Must <laughs> been like, "Hey, what's up?" And so we'll figure out the scholarship thing later. Like, yeah, we'll 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 do we'll do with that when. Uh, the funniest one, and I know it's like Pablo does a podcast on here, um, but you know, so it's it's kind of self referential. But the funniest one I think ever is last year when Devin Cambridge entered the portal. <laughs> he was like, "Devin Cambridge, you are oh no, <laughs> like." <laughs> Yeah, and he's someone that, admittedly, I had complained about in previous seasons, and Auburn could have used a little Devin Cambridge this year. Yeah, no, for sure. It's good to see some of and 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 like we talked about it with Pearl, Pearl saying I've missed on a lot of guys, missed on a lot of good guys. He said that in the, you know, Jairus Walker was the big one in in that Houston matchup. Uh, Desi Sills going as as far as he did uh, this year, Trey Alexander. I was going to say Alexander and Sills being tied together and then both not yeah. playing for you and being on these other teams having success playing. Going to the well. late eight. Yeah. It's Tough just, you, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's the expectations have just been raised so high. But yeah, it's, it's a number of breaks. Look, I mean, we've talked about it before, Painter. There's a there's a world where if NIL's enacted a little bit sooner, Scoot Henderson Scoot could Henderson. be playing at Auburn. 
I mean, you could have Sharif Cooper could have been back. Like, yeah, for JT, one or both of them comes back. I mean, you you pair that with some of what you had. Yeah, there's there's a number of you know the Jalen Green one is a little bit more of a stretch because he's been kind of wishy washy on if he'd have gone here, where he would have actually wound up. But yeah, I mean, I was going to play for the Tigers. Okay, Jalen, thanks. Yeah, um, yeah, there have been a couple of. It's like, oof, I know Bruce is probably stinging from some of these close. It is. It is gonna be interesting how they how they attack in the portal because Bruce has been very. We talked about Freeze being very honest. I think you know, Bruce is always good at being very honest about where 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 how he feels about things and his own and his own. You know, right. I think his own his own misfire sometimes. You know, in 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 coaching, he will be the first to admit that, which is again very refreshing and makes him a very good coach to cover. But uh, he said it before. He was like, look, man, we've missed on dudes because I couldn't come in and say that you get 36 minutes a night. That's just not how he's rolled as a coach. But it's also, I think Eric Stevenson is the best example of that, where it's like Auburn wanted Eric Stevenson. And he, they could have used Eric Stevenson, but they weren't going to sit here and say Eric Stevenson is going to play 36 minutes a night. That's what he did at West Virginia this year. He was their guy. And... Auburn goes about it differently. Now, I don't expect Auburn to change who they are as a program. And look, the way they recruit and the way they built, like, it got you Jabari Smith. It got you Walker Kessler. It got you Sharif. Like, you can get elite talent this way. But I do wonder, like, in the transfer portal, like, that's what makes all of this so interesting is because so many players for Auburn can't come back. They're obviously reaching out to a lot of guys in the portal. They've obviously got needs they want to fill and, 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 and you know, spots they want to address. But it's like there are 363 Division One teams. Somebody's gonna. There's always gonna be somebody who can give you more playing time. Always, and that's with guys going into the portal. That's with guys already in the portal who are looking at you. And so it's a, it's a tough balancing act, man. And 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 it's not like in football where you can just be like, all right, we just need to make sure we get three or four linebackers just keep it moving or something like that. Like basketball, it's like you're rotating these rosters out, and it's you only get a handful of these spots. And, and and so every little roster decision you make is earth shattering compared to, you know, football where it's just a lot of more of like trends and bulk kind of stuff that you have to deal with there uh, for, you know, for, for your roster management. So um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on what happens obviously in final four, the bracket challenge, whatever, but I just watching that final four, watching the elite eight, watching the sweet 16 this weekend, I think it just underscored, Hey, Auburn wasn't as as far off as people might have thought, but there were a couple areas, especially I just watching watching some of that shot making, watching shot creation, and some of the stuff that they were doing. The Texas and Miami game was the one that stood out to me the most, uh, and obviously, you know, in the Sweet Sixteen, Nigel Pack like went like seven and nine from deep at one point. Um, that would have helped, uh, but yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to keep an eye on uh, there, and and. Yeah, so it's just what makes basketball such a crazy, crazy sport, college basketball. It's like you can have the most ridiculous collection of talent the world has ever seen, and you may get knocked out in the first weekend just because matchups and how, how things fall one night. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun no matter what. And I think you said it best a little while ago, Painter, when you said Bruce Bruce loves the chase. He loves the chase. and. Oh, it's a whole lot of chasing that's going to be done here, I think, over the next few months. And um, usually, usually Auburn comes out on the other side with a really, really good um, roster situation. So I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to seeing what that looks like. You got anything else? We good? I think we're good. All right. Um, we will be back. Let's say we'll put out the premium pod on Friday. Does that sound good? We'll record on Thursday night. We'll be back on Friday. For those of you who are in the inner circle, those of you who are Observer subscribers, if you're not, like we said, $40 for a full year. It's the best price we will ever give you. Check it out, auburnobserver.com. There's buttons, there's links in the description, all that good stuff, emails. You get all of our newsletters, all of our podcasts. You get something every day of the week. It's cheap. You know, when you when you, when you you come out with like, you know, we uh, like I said, we put one or two things out pretty much every weekday, uh, so we try to make it worth your while. Have a lot of fun with it. You can send uh, questions for the mailbag. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and ask for those. You can email those to me. Uh, my email is on my in my Twitter bio, or you can reply to any email you get from us with that as well, and I will get get them that way. That's all I got. We'll talk to talk to some of y'all on Friday. We'll talk to the rest of y'all next week. Painter, final thoughts. 
Waffle House nearest me, two hours away. So that's, shame. that's brutal. Turn